Our scripture reading for today is taken from uh, yesterday's historic gospel, Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 9. It is one of the famous parables of our Lord. Um, oftentimes we think of the parables possibly as made-up stories to teach a lesson. It's also possible that some of these were real accounts. Also, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Parash. Parash is the Hebrew word that we think the name Pharisee comes from. Parash, it means to be set apart. And it was a movement among Jewish people at the time of Christ and a little before that, going back a hundred or more years before that, a group of people who were very dedicated to wanting to make sure they stayed with the Bible and to stay with the historic uh, Jewish faith. Sometimes we tend to think of Pharisees in a negative light. But there were a lot of things really good about the Pharisees. The Pharisees had a lot of right things, you might say, going for them. In fact, it's not surprising that Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, comes to Jesus at night to, to talk more about him and ultimately converts to following Christ. We're told in the book of Acts that other Pharisees uh, began, to, uh, began to follow the Christian faith. Uh, it was a natural connection. There was a natural connection there. Pharisees were disgusted with the immorality of their culture all around them. They, they hated the fact that there was such a cultural or a moral slide to just such decadence and things. A movement known as Hellenization or Hellenism had started to creep into their world, into their Judaic world, and was trying to take away their Judaic faith and throw their Bible out and, and cause people to just be totally secularly minded. And um, so a lot of things that... that Pharisees stood up for would be things we would very clearly identify with. They would be rather comfortable in a modern setting here on Bethany's campus and uh, here sitting in our chapel today. Everything that the Pharisee in our story says about himself is accurate. He's not making things up. Everything he claimed that he had done was truly something good toward God. In fact, things that God himself had asked for. Things that God in his word had commanded and said that he should do. And he identifies himself with a group that's fighting to hold on to the Old Testament teachings and so on and principles. He clearly loves God's word. He's regular in the temple. He's very comfortable there. He's engaged in prayer. He's expressing gratitude to God. He's giving things back to God, probably more than most people were at the time. All of these were things that God expected of him and commanded of him. So what's the problem? 
He's grateful for the sanctification in his life. He's grateful for the fact that, that he's trying to live a pure and holy life. What's wrong with that? I'm grateful I'm not a drug dealer too. I'm grateful I'm not a drunkard or a thief. What's the problem? Well, the problem was this, that brick by brick, stone by stone, he had started to construct spiritually a, a tower to reach God. He had started to place bricks into this tower and steps and a staircase by which he hoped to ascend up to gain God's favor. And it was all of these wonderful things that he was doing in keeping with God's word. And he was trying to elevate himself up to a place where God would now be totally happy with him. And when he looks out of his tower at other people's towers, their spiritual towers, many of them are pretty low compared to his. Some of them haven't even gotten off the ground. Some of them are nothing but a hole in the ground. And it was easy for him to look around and say, I bet God wishes there were more people building towers like me. I bet God wishes there were more people putting bricks and steps that, that were in keeping with, with what he wanted, just like I'm doing. For those of us who are followers of Christ here today, this is awfully easy for us to fall into this kind of thinking. The very fruits of faith that God, the Holy Spirit, works in our hearts when he brings us to faith in Christ, the very desire in us that wants to obey and follow the will of God, we, we can start seeing that as some bricks that we're building and steps that we're making to try to earn God's favor. We watch out for how we use our language. We are trying to preserve ourselves until marriage, avoiding outward gross sins. We give money back to the church for the advancement of God's kingdom. We try to engage in a prayer life and a worship life. Look at you're here today. It's wonderful. These are all things God encourages and commands and loves to see in us. The faculty members have made sacrifices to teach at a Christian college. Seminarians, dedicating your lives and your studies and all this extra time to the advancement of God's kingdom. All these things are great. But we're tempted to see all of this in our lives and start to think, yeah, that's why God loves me. That's why God thinks so highly of Don Molstead. He's a chaplain. It doesn't, doesn't take much for us to start, start leaning on our own goodness and the things that God himself works in us and thinking that that's why we have his favor. And boy, it's really challenging today because when, when we look out in the world and in our culture and society, <laughs> there's so many people whose towers are so much shorter than ours, haven't even started yet. Some of them are just a hole in the ground. And it's so easy for us to look at the other people out there in the world and say, I am really glad I'm not like that. I am really glad that I care the way I do about God so well. God sure must be pleased with me, especially when I look at how bad so many people are. But God co suddenly comes to us and stops us as we're building this tower. And he says, if you plan to reach me and to enter heaven based upon the steps that you have created in your own personal tower, I'm going to take you to the top of it and throw you down to your death. That's what God says. 
he who exalts himself will be humbled. Those are some pretty harsh words. He or she who exalts himself or herself will be humbled. And God then takes you and me through his word by the hand, spiritually, and he leads us back down the staircase that we have made, descending further and further down, level by level, deep into the basement of the tower of your life, past the rooms of my pride. And as the lower you go, you start to smell the vile odor of your greed, you start to feel the cold dampness of your selfishness, you start to walk through the wet cobwebs of your lies and the putrid smell of your lust, and you get down into the sewer at the bottom of your life. And he finally there escorts you and me to a door with a very small window in it, and it's the door to condemnation. And he says to us in his word, this is where you actually belong. Face the truth about yourself and my demands. But as you stand there helpless along with me and along with the thief on the cross and along with the publican in our text, he then gently takes you by the hand to another door that is marked mercy. And he takes you into that door and opens it and inside is a wonderful warm light wonderful sunshine. It's the room of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a room that has an image of the sacrifice he made for you for all of your sins. It's a room glowing with God's grace and deep compassion for you. And then he says to you, placing you in that room, this, this is the room where I want you to know me. This is the spot where I want you to approach me. This is how I want you to come to me. And he says to us, no matter how wicked you've been, no matter how filthy and stinking the rest of those rooms are and the staircase going down in your life, no matter how often you have fallen into them, I still love you and have compassion on you. I still forgive you because of the work of my son. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Last year in one of my religion classes, I asked the question, why is it so difficult to be a Christian? And my students thought about it and thought about it. This was near the end of the year. Thought about it for a while. And one of them finally said, it's so hard because you have to be willing to be humbled. And that's true. That's one of the things that makes Christianity so difficult. You have to give up yourself, give up your tower. Give up all the wonderful things you think you're doing that make God so happy with you. The prophet Isaiah says, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. King David, after his great fall into sin, wrote this psalm. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. These you will not despise. And so when the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, works this repentance in your heart and in my heart to see our sin, so that we realize we have no other way and no other hope of getting to heaven and reaching God's favor than his mercy in Christ, then you and I are exactly where God wants us to be. And as Jesus says, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Think what that means. Think what it means when God says, 
to the broken sinner who now knows his grace, you will be exalted. Not just forgiven and cleansed and covered in his righteousness, but exalted eternally in heaven. Amen.